Greetings and welcome to the latest edition of St. Dominic's Weekly. I think this is the fifth edition of St. Dominic's Weekly. I am Father Isaiah Mary Milano, one of the priests here at St. Dominic's, and I would like to introduce to you um, the man who tries to become all things to all people to save at least some, our pastor, Father Michael J. Hurley. How are you doing today, Father Michael? I got the J in there today. I like that. Well, Joseph is a nice guy, you know. There, there he is. Hey, come on, you're not just one of the priests. You are the, one of the vicars. Vicars. Yeah, the Pope yeah. isn't just isn't just one bishop amongst many. He's, he's the vicar of Christ, right? Yeah, that's but, true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I'm not sure if I'm, I'm your voice of when you are off visiting your sister in the middle of the East Coast or something. So. Why not? <laughs> Well, if you say so, let's, let's go for it. Yeah. So, Very good. so Father Michael, today, um, this uh, this week on October 18th, I believe we are celebrating uh, another beautiful feast in our church. Uh, we're celebrating the feast of Saint Luke, one of the evangelists. So, so I mean, if uh, um, if we can spend some time today to talk about Saint Luke the evangelist and all of his writings, um, that'd be great. Nice. Okay. Deep dive on yeah. Luke. Yeah. So, but before that, but before that, you know, I mean, uh, um, we are well aware about all the all the tragedy that's going on throughout the world, but especially more locally, um, going up um, just uh, not that much north of here in Napa, Sonoma. So um, our prayers and our goes up to our brothers and sisters up in that area. Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, for me, it's a sense that certainly there we've spent a whole string of uh, natural disasters and, and violence uh, and other yeah. uh, concerns globally. But th- this uh, feels a little different only in the sense that it feels more personal because it's so right. local, and I think mm-hmm. all of us, you know, have folks that we know. Um, yeah. Father Anthony's, in fact, her, his, his sister is is, uh, is 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 with us in these days, uh, having to uh, to kind of evacuate for, from her house. Mm-hmm. I know we've, I've got I have myself have some uh, exactly. some cousins and, and family and an uncle mm-hmm. that live up in that uh, area of the world, and so certainly our thoughts and our prayers as a parish, uh, trying to respond as we can. We actually had. Um, uh, for a little clothing impromptu clothing drive for 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 uh, for young ones and our exactly. our nursery kind of put that together and, and was able to to take that up so we're just responding as we can and the and god bless certainly all the uh those um personnel the firemen and Precisely. and all the emergency personnel that are doing just heroic work to try to contain the, pain the fire as, as the of this recording it's still certainly not contained uh fully yet so we we just ask for uh, for prayers and blessings and and uh, and and good news along the way too. I yeah, exactly. many, many folks uh, saying that um, there's been some, some blessings even in the midst of uh, of the destruction as well. The compassion that's coming out of our community, of course, is monumental and um, so inspiring for me. I'm every single time I hear the news story and and the young adult leaders that are actually coordinating, um, trying to uh, get some. Um, um, supplies up to Napa themselves. Um, nice. One of the leaders, she's actually going to go up north um, in a couple of days um, on her day off, and uh, to, and um, she's gathering funds and other supplies um, to go um, to go help. And so I just find it really inspirational. Yeah, no, it's reminiscent of St. Paul talking about how um, the community of the church is like the body of Christ, and, and when one right. one part is hurting, that the, as the body kind of uh, begins to marshal and, and uh, send, uh, you know, a healing and energy to that part of the body that's hurting. So to the church, you know, rallies yeah. around to support those uh, who are yeah. in need. So it's a wonderful example of that for sure. Yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. So, um, but again, our prayers are are with um, with everyone affected by um, by the fires up there. And um, yeah, we um, we continually restore he- heaven with our prayers um, for a quick end.
Amen. You know, so, but uh, the co- topic of uh, today's discussion, I mean, but we are celebrating on October 18th, uh, the Feast of St. Luke. We just uh, had the Feast of St. Matthew just a couple weeks ago, and here we are with another evangelist. Yeah, I know. We, we, it's it's, it's uh, the whole quarter of, of, of gospel writers, evangel- evangelists uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this month. Yeah, so I mean, so I, what I would like to start off with is, well, Father Michael, who was St. Luke? <laughs> just a basic bio. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we, we don't know, if you look at the uh, actual times Luke is mentioned in the New Testament, he's mentioned in Paul's letters. So Paul right. talks about him as a, a, fe- a fellow worker, he talks him, about him as being a beloved physician, and ultimately, uh, in his letter to Timothy, I believe, uh, second letter, he talks about him being his uh, last companion. Like, everyone, he's, everyone, I'm paraphrasing here, but everyone's abandoned me, except for Luke. Who's, only who's, Luke is with <laughs> me. Exactly, only Luke, I'm down to Luke. <laughs> no, so, uh, so yeah, no, he was definitely part of the, uh, we know for, for certainly from the New Testament, uh, specifically that he was a fellow worker with uh, St. Paul. And uh, from uh, tradition and even uh, kind of the tenor of, of the gospel that is attributed to him and the uh, writings of the Acts of the Apostles, which form a kind of um, a compendium or a kind of a, a companion, uh, we know that he was uh, probably uh, a Gentile. He was mm. born in Antioch. And I love Antioch. Every time you hear Antioch, I think of that early church community, right? Because, ah, yeah. Because yeah. that's where the first, the first, um, those who are following the way, yeah. those first Christians were called. First called Christians. Christians, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Antioch. And so he's, he's from Antioch. Uh, and um, he was, uh, in a sense, then brought into the faith, not as a, a Jew or even a Hellenistic right. Jew, but, but as a Gentile. So of all the New Testament writers, he is the only author who is not Jewish. Yeah, and he, that's that's actually fascinating that he's he's a convert. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, so, yeah, no, uh, he's coming to the faith, and so so, and certainly it sounds like he has a background. Um, just once again, historically in 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 medicine, and mm-hmm. um, he was very artistic and cre- cre- uh, creative. We maybe we get to that in terms of uh, his his art as as icons, and then mm-hmm. the right quote unquote the writings, both in terms of the text and the writings uh, in yeah. terms of. Sure. Uh, in terms of painting, as it's, it's called, to write the icon. Um, and so he just a man of many talents, and, and uh, along with St. Paul, a, a wonderful um, uh, disciple, uh, preacher, evangelist for the Word. Now, Father Michael, I mean, I was told that there's a particular painting that's actually attributed to St. Luke um, um, that you actually saw one time. Oh yeah, so this is in uh, when when we were in Jerusalem, right after uh, my ordination, I had uh, the wonderful fortune to go to uh, the Holy Land, and it was one of those things. If you're both in Rome or in Holy Land, or these uh, kind of uh, places where there's a kind of gravity or density of um, the history of our faith and the Church, there are all those kind of nooks and crannies where you you find uh, uh, wonderful relics or devotions or shrines. And mm-hmm. it was in Jerusalem where it wasn't it wasn't even a Catholic site. I think it was an Orthodox site. And uh, we kind of ducked into the church, and the, and the person who was a custodian there mm. was so excited to see some <laughs> Americans coming oh. <laughs> in, coming into their little shrine. I can't. It was a, I think probably maybe mid afternoon or something. So it wasn't a heavily traffic ah, time. It was and a so lull time. It was a lull time, oh, and, and in in tramp the, <laughs> 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 the, the 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 Viking priest and and uh, and and uh, some of my family. And so they were really eager to kind of show off all the all the treasures of that their church. Neat. 
And first and foremost prominent was um, an image there uh, of the Hoditria, which is uh, just uh, Greek for uh, paintings of Our Lady, maybe translated Our Lady of the Way or Our Lady with the Christ Child. And ah. there's, there's lots of different uh, variations on this theme. But if you, uh, to know the art, maybe we'll put a link in there. Mm. It's, it's um, the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, and uh, holding, usually on the, on the left side of the, the icon or the image, uh, the Christ child. Yeah. And uh, so this was one of the, it was claimed this was the uh, original uh, icon painted by St. Luke of Mary and Child of which there are lots and lots of, um, if you will, uh, reproductions or uh, kind of variations on that theme that have come down to us through the centuries. I mean, that's actually quite fascinating because of the uh, lineage, dare we say, of that image of Mary holding the Christ child in her left arm that goes through all the ages of Lady Perpetual Help and all the way down to uh, so many titles that her Blessed Mother has that image of the Christ child in her left arm. And I even have a, uh, there's a painting right here of Our Lady of the Rosary where the Christ child's in her left arm as well as uh, the Blessed Mother's handing the rosary to Blessed Father Dominic and St. Catherine. And I even have a tapestry in my office where um, uh, Our Lady of the Streets of the mm-hmm. homeless Mary actually holding the Christ child in oh, her wow. left arm. So yeah. it's interesting that that particular image of, that's, through these 2,000 years. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, and, and, and the tradition is that uh, St. Luke, being a doctor, would have recourse to have known Mary in the in the later years of, of, of her life. Of course, Mary was entrusted on the cross to St. John, mm-hmm. and so uh, the tradition there is that Mary uh, and John were in close proximity as, as, mm-hmm. a, as the early church was uh, being formed and was forming those early communities, but that Luke had reason to uh, be Mary's physician, Mary's Ah, doctor. And so he would have had, uh, since knowing her, a kind of particular uh, insight into into uh, painting her visages, visage and and to, to replicating that kind of thing. So we don't have certainly uh, you know uh, in the same way that we have like the Shroud of Turin or other right. uh, particular perhaps images of, of of Christ and his physiology that this uh, icon took special meaning in the church because it was uh, came from someone who actually saw her, someone who knew her and, and perhaps knew her very intimately in terms of being her, her physician yeah. at the time. Yeah. That's actually really fascinating because of the very fact that one of the things that I love when I read the New Testament especially is the fact of how small this community was, right? Yeah. I mean, Luke and Luke and Mark, they knew each other, and Paul, they knew yeah. the, all these people that we prayed, prayed to and asked their intercession. They were, they were buddies. They, were, they traveled together. They got into fights. They were a family, and, and that's just a great reflection of how we as a Christian community, as big as we are, we really need to have. Sure. No, that's true, and if you know the story of, of, uh, <laughs> of Paul and, 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 and Mark, uh, they, you know, they, they, they had some, there were good times and there were rough times, right, and Barnabas and yeah. all this. Yeah, they didn't always, they didn't always agree, not about necessarily matters of faith, but certainly in terms of personality and preaching style and uh, what were the best practices for, for founding communities. There was, there was, it was like the church today. There was, there was this support and there was also a little, uh, the good personalities would clash from time to time for sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's in terms of um, Luke and his, uh, if you will, genius, the, one of the, I, I just go back to that idea of the legacy of beauty in the church, mm-hmm. right? True. So there, there were a lot of questions in the early church about how to live um, this new way of life, this, this um, 
new covenant that Christ had brought, Mm -hmm. and what perhaps, if you will, secular, in the best sense of the term, vocations were compatible with that. So, for example, could you be a Christian and be a soldier? Could you be in the army? Right. Right? And that was a a debated discussion, even today, in terms of there is a legitimate uh, both uh, idea that we can be uh, faithful uh, Catholic Christians and certainly support uh, military action and mm-hmm. be involved in the army, but there's also, a, if you will, a pacifistic strain, and that's equally as as balancing that kind of idea. Well, there was another question uh, about um, art or about beauty, right. and there's it certainly been times in the church and Christianity where there's been a, a kind of prohibition against uh, painting. I know, for example... Um, in the iconoclastic movement, all images of uh, Jesus and Mary were destroyed as thinking right. you don't want to you know, represent them in certain ways. Um, if you look at other religions, right, you, right. not, not uh, depicting the, the, uh, the visage of Muhammad or something like mm-hmm. that or is, is very uh, particular in that way. Whereas for, in Christianity, from the very beginning, this is, if you will, the, one of the contributions of Luke that I don't think many people know about. We yeah. think of his, 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 his uh, writings in the Gospel and the Acts but but that Luke is, if you will, the the inspiration and the origin of the uh, idea that the church should bring forth beauty and some of the most right. beautiful depictions of, of, of you know saints and, and even of, of, of creations in terms of beautiful church buildings and, yes. and other artwork has come from the church and it lets us know that uh, when Christ came, certainly it was for our salvation, but it also creates a kind of culture, and part of mm-hmm. that culture is the very artwork that stems forth from that. And so, this, the, this, the, the, these icons that that you know uh, touch back to that time period into into to, to to Luke as an origin. Luke is the patron saint, not just of of painters as he is, yeah. but of if you will. Art, art in the church, the exactly. fine, if you will, the, the fine arts in that way, and yeah. that not that God wouldn't couldn't have communicated that through through other folks, but He chose Luke to be, if you will, uh, the inspiration of, for that, exactly. and so that idea of um, Christ saying, "Go forth and preach and teach all nations." He wasn't necessarily saying write a write a Bible only, but but that communicate a culture, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. and that includes yeah. beauty and art and all the rest. Art is an incarnational faith, right? Exactly. So like the very physicality yeah. of 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 using um, the entirety of creation to preach the beauty of Christ, right? Yeah. He is most beautiful, right? Yeah, no, Luke, Mister Incarnation. That's what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, <laughs> so let's talk about Mister Incarnation. So I think <laughs> let's kind of talk, get into the actual, um, the written legacy of Saint yeah. Luke himself. So I mean, so as you said, he wrote both the Gospel as well yeah. as Act the Apostles. So let's just hammer them out one by one. I mean, um, what are the major themes? Um, can you think of when you think about the Gospel of Luke? Oh yeah, so and and maybe to even to take a step back, there's certainly particular themes that are unique. But when we think of like gospel, right? Or you think about the New Testament in general, okay? You know, we think of okay, who were the writers of the New Testament? For me, you think of Paul, right, with all mm-hmm. the letters. You think of John. You know, he wrote John, and then and then Revelation. So those are those are two kind of, if you will, uh, main authors and contributors. You don't often think of Saint Luke. Doesn't always spring to mind. You think, oh, he wrote the gospel, <laughs> since he's not actually named as the author uh, of. Well, he's not an apostle, apostle either. Yeah, yeah, and he's not an apostle, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's not. A, he comes later. He's a Gentile who works with, with uh, St. Paul. But St. Luke writes almost one-third of the entire New Testament. 
I didn't think about it that way. Your, your New Testament would be, well, you take, just take 30, it's, it's actually like 28.5% of yeah. the New Testament and just tear it away if it wasn't for St. Luke. And we don't often, they, the yeah. bulk of what we know, and we'll get into this, of, of many of the themes of Scripture mm-hmm. and the insights into, like, say, the, the, the prayer of the rosary just simply wouldn't exist. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, other facets of, of our faith come from St. Luke. That is someone who was not himself an eyewitness, but, yeah. but himself uh, learned from other eyewitnesses. And I think this is an important point to make just at the beginning, because for those uh, who perhaps say that... Um, Scripture itself is not the product of tradition, or imagine that the Bible kind of dropped to us from on high from heaven, right? <laughs> right. To know that that the person who gives us particular insight into Jesus was someone who didn't even know Jesus in the yeah. sense of first person account, exactly, right? Yeah. How did he know Jesus through the community? Exactly through the yeah. Spirit that lived mm-hmm. in through the community. So, in other words, and this is the beauty of the we're talking about Mister Incarnation. I was joking yeah. that the whole point of the incarnation is not just not simply that God took on human nature, as if that wasn't enough. <laughs> of course, that's the that's right. a great mystery. But that that incarnational principle continues in and right. through the life of the church, and that St. Luke's encounter with Christ and the Spirit through the church enables him to be inspired to write a life of Christ that without which we would not have known all these mm-hmm. deep insights about God's project of salvation, yeah. about Mary, and about the continuation of the Spirit yeah. through the, the living community. And and that's literally almost one-third of all of the New Testament that we have from him. From a guy that, that wasn't... Uh, an eyewitness. An eyewitness. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's kind of really... What's kind of really beautiful about uh, the first chapter of Luke is that, okay, all right, Theophilus, I've looked at all the sources, yeah. and I'm going to reboot everything and put it in nice, orderly fashion so everybody can understand what happened with and it's just a beautiful eyewitness and, and, and that's and that's a good point because um even secular scholars will look at the the work of luke and acts and see them as a kind of a kind of history they see it right. as, as history because of the way he's very uh meticulous and his his writing in, in greek is just is is you know a genius love it's just mm-hmm. so wonderfully constructed and if we necessarily can't get into all the parallels but but it's it's really um a, a wonderful rhetorical and uh, just beautifully shaped kind of gospel in terms of all sorts of parallels that go into mm-hmm. that. Maybe get into maybe just jumping into you ask about themes. Yeah, to to say one of the uh, the themes that emerges very quickly is the uh, the role that's been sometimes called the Marian gospel, the role right. of the Blessed mm-hmm. Virgin Mary, and this certainly lends credence to the tradition that uh, Luke knew Mary was was right. indeed maybe even her own personal physician, and that she would have shared stories with him that no one else had access to. So, for example, yeah. annunciations, right? Right. So we have the annunciation, first of all, the annunciation to who? To, to, uh, to Zachariah, Zachariah, right? Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. how was anyone there when the angel came to Zachariah? Last time I checked, it was in the temple, it and <laughs> there was... And Gabriel wasn't going to tell anybody. Yeah, exactly. Right? Gabriel so, wasn't talking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, no, so, so you have in that gospel, that sharing of that, and then you have so you have the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel, the Zechariah, the the to um, announce the birth of the forerunner. Of course, Zechariah doubts a bit, and so he's he's mute for a while, <laughs> exactly. And they has to write his name is John, and then then his tongue is loosed, and he can he can tell about this encounter. 
But then you have right after that mm-hmm. in the gospel, you have the, of course, the very famous annunciation. When we say annunciation, we think the annunciation of Gabriel to Mary. Yeah. And once again, Mary doesn't share this with anyone. It's almost the, the, the images of like someone, a bystander looking in on it. Yeah. And so Mary supposedly yeah. told Luke, right? Yeah. And, and that she was, pondered was, these things in her heart. Exactly. Her entire life. And, exactly. Yeah. So she didn't tell Matthew, she didn't tell Mark, she didn't tell John. But it's in Luke's yeah. gospel that, that she reveals this encounter she has with the angel. And in some ways, that actually speaks to the relationship that the evangelist actually had with Mary. Because, like, I mean, you had to be pretty intimate to share something so extraordinary like the Annunciation and things, right? So, I mean, so Luke had to, they had to know each other so incredibly well. I mean, she wouldn't tell this to a stranger. Yeah, and there's all kinds of, there's certain kind of narrative details uh, that he shapes in terms of Annunciation scenes that kind of is paradigmatic, kinds of, it's almost mm-hmm. like, if you will, sure. a kind of formula of how it, angels interact with, 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 with human beings. There's right. the kind of the original message. There's the kind of the moment of shock and awe where yes. the angel says, don't be afraid. There's the moment where the, the message itself is given and, and then the kind of, and this is a wonderful thing, when God reveals his will through an angel, he doesn't expect that our first response is, is necessarily like, oh yeah, that makes sense, go do it. There's a moment mm-hmm. where, how can this be? Yeah. Right, she asks. The amazement. Exactly, uh, exactly yeah. the amazement. And the question, to, yeah. to follow God's will doesn't mean that we don't ask questions, yeah. right? Yeah. We don't question it. So someone will say, oh, Father, you know, you know, I, I, I just, I, I think this is what God is asking me to do, but I just don't see how it can be. They, they think, oh, I, if I question anything about my situation or what God might be doing, that somehow that means disbelief. Mm-hmm. And to, to quote John Newman, a thousand questions don't equal one doubt, right? No. <laughs> you know, God and Pottery. And so we're supposed to it's a question our faith, not that yeah. we're coming against our faith or we're, in a sense, doubting it. We want it. to know more. Exactly. You know, it's a mystery, right? Exactly. So we just want to keep on unraveling more and more <laughs> levels of, of the mystery and beauty that is God, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. so Luke has that almost, you know, you know, when you're with your physician, hopefully if they're, if they're doing their job, they're, they're asking you, right? <laughs> that implies things, oh, yes, Exactly, true. just saying, yeah. they're saying, you know, how are you feeling when I do this? How does it feel? Yeah. You know, physically, emotionally, you know, and, and in this case, spiritually, Luke asked those questions yeah. and, and so that idea of the Annunciation. So we, we know the Annunciation, the, the visitation is right. is, mm-hmm. is um, unique to, to Luke. Um, and that uh, that idea, the then again, the presentation, yeah. the finding of the... T- yeah. Basically, the, you take the first... <laughs> jo- the joyful mysteries of the rosary would not exist without St. Luke. Yes. The Hail Mary, right? Yeah, that's Mary, true. The, the greeting, right? The, that comes uh, to us. Those words of, of Gabriel wouldn't exist without St. Luke. So the whole the whole Marian theme of, of how we honor Mary um, it comes from from this gospel. Yeah. So, I mean, so like I can just myself, I can always just imagine of Luke coming over and saying hi to John and then, you know, and Luke and Mary, they, Luke does his check-in with Mary and then, and then they have some tea and then Mary's just telling stories, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's like what any old any any mother would do, right? Just uh, boast about their children and uh, story time with Mama Mary, <laughs> also known as the Gospel according to Luke. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, okay, no, so exactly. but one of the other major themes of of the Gospel of Luke is the very fact that um, there's a particular emphasis on the poor. I mean, like um, from the Christmas narrative all the way on. And can you talk about that? Yeah, no, and this I think comes from. I mean, if you think about that connection he had to to Mary and almost that maternal sense, there's a there's a 
a real uh, uniqueness. And once again, Mark of there's the, the three Gospels: Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called synoptic Gospels, which simply comes from the word that we take for synopsis, meaning uh, to see something together. So there's a lot of commonality between mm-hmm. them. But but Luke's Gospel has the most unique stories that you only find in Luke of any of the synoptic mm-hmm. Gospels. Uh, almost half of the Gospel is unique to itself. And the, if you just take that theme, that Marian theme, if you will, and you think of that maternal role, the kind of virtues or themes almost flow from that. So you have this care and concern for the poor, kind of motherly mm-hmm. compassion, if you right. will. You have a, an emphasis on women, almost all the stories that, that Christ dealing with, with women and ennobling them in a way come from this gospel, from everything from uh, the one who, who uh, blesses Jesus' feet to the healing of uh, the young man who, who passes away and uh, he's an only child and he, he mm-hmm. raises the, up the, the healing of, of the, women who, uh, the woman who is, um, who is uh, you know, infirm for many years, uh, this, this idea of compassion, and then uh, for the poor as well. Right. Um, the great mercy of God, and once again, we think, sometimes we think of mercy as, as being particularly, not that it, 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 can't, it's not a, it can't be, um, in a sense, from God, but almost that maternal kind of aspect yeah, of the great mercy sure. and, and sense of generosity of self. So the parables of the Good Samaritan, ah, right? right, only found in, in St. Luke, mm-hmm. uh, the parable of the prodigal son, of that great forgiveness and, and to show that how the father forgives in a kind of almost unreasonable uh, generosity, right. right? Just right. totally kind of like beyond what could justice might demand is there as well. And so you have these very powerful uh, images of God's mercy and then how we're to be merciful to right. others. Mm-hmm. So you have, for example, the, the um, uh, kind of the cautionary uh, story of um, the rich man who doesn't do anything wrong but oh, simply right. mm-hmm. neglects the poor Lazarus, right? Yeah, right. Lazarus, it's, it's yeah. And so he ultimately ends up in a place of perdition, not because he does some evil deed, yeah. but because he had been entrusted with, with wealth mm-hmm. and he had simply failed uh, to respond mercifully and generously with the poor. And because of that, he, it's a fail. This indifference towards those who Corinne. need the Lord's mercy. Yeah. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. I, and of course, certainly it's not this, these things aren't necessarily in any of the other Gospels, but in a particular way, they're emphasized and stories around them that are unique to Luke are found there. So you get, you get the sense that um, you have this Gentile, Luke, who's preaching and he's founding communities, and he's seeing this as a real need or a real theme that needs uh, to kind of, if you will, bring a different uh, aspect or a kind of um, a new dimension to uh, the ministry of Christ as continued by the church. Yeah. So, are there any um, are there any major th- are there major themes from uh, the Gospel of Luke, or should we just move on to the Acts of the Apostles? Here? Yeah, no, and I, I think in in some sense, if you think of Luke and maybe kind of the, in that transition, um, Luke and Acts, there, if you if you like look at your Bible, that the Gospel of John comes between them. Mm-hmm. So you've got the third Gospel, and then you've got the fifth uh, book. But in some sense, they're really one right. yeah. text, right? It's, it's Luke kinda, dash Acts. Exactly, yeah. yeah they're, they're really one one author. It's kind of, he starts Acts by saying, you know, in my first account. <laughs> That's so true. It's, it's like all these all these movies yeah. that are sequels, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not the search for more money in this case, though. It's a search for more souls. Yeah, more <laughs> souls, more grace. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he basically says he starts Acts by saying, in the first account, I, I told everything that we heard about Christ, and now I'm going to transition to talk about uh, the, the living church community. Yeah. It's beautiful, and once again, it's unique because as a historian, Luke wants to show how the work of Christ 
did not end with his right. going up to heaven, right. but in fact uh, continues on. In fact, if you look at the other, I mean, the Gospel of John's unique, so it, it ends with them having the first breakfast on the right. seashore with Peter, feed my sheep. The other three Gospels ends with Jesus ascending into heaven, but it's literally like one line. It's like Jesus, right. he rises from the dead, he's you know walking with them for 40 days, and then there's kind of a line, and it's, it's variously told, but basically he goes to heaven, and Matthew he gives them a great commission to go out and preach, but basically, that's it. But in the, yeah. in the in the Acts of the Apostles, we discover that Christ doesn't just ascend. That that fact, right? Mm-hmm. We discover why he ascends, right? Right. Okay. So, in the other Gospels, you might have the impression that Jesus went away. Jesus no yeah. longer. But Luke continues his narrative by saying Jesus didn't go away. He went forward from us to lead us, right? right. He gives a reason, and the reason is mm-hmm. the sending of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, right? Yeah. And so you, you have that unique moment when he tells uh, his disciples that they need to go back to Jerusalem to wait there, and that the Spirit is going to be sent from them. So in other words, it's not just Jesus is just saying, okay, I did my job, I'm out of here, guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I've always found it funny, even in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, he says behold, he says, behold, I am with you always until the end of the age, and then he leaves. Yeah. And you're like, Later. Uh, wait, didn't you just say you're going to be here? <laughs> like, like, that's kind of a little bit of a, this is like a whiplash effect, yeah, exactly. you know, in terms exactly. of the gospel. But, but the Acts kind of fills that, that out. He says, go back to Jerusalem, and he says, what will happen? The Spirit will come, and he says, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will be what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And that is, if you will, the outline of all of the Acts of the Apostles. Right. Because what right. happens, they receive the Spirit on Pentecost in that chapter 2. And then they're witnessing in Jerusalem in those first chapters, mm-hmm. throughout Judea and Samaria, as Peter mm-hmm. begins to preach. And then ultimately, Paul takes over in the second exactly. half of Acts. Exactly. And where do they go? The ends of the earth. They go to Rome. Yeah, they're going right. to Rome. They go yeah. to Rome. So that's yeah. kind of, if you will, an outline of, of the whole narrative. And it, it, once again, gets back to that incarnational principle that, that our Catholic faith teaches us that our religion is not just a, a kind of a spirituality, but is incarnated mm-hmm. in the living tradition of the church yeah. itself. That, you know, we're both ordained priests. We had right. bishops lay hands on us. Mm-hmm. It was Bishop Vigna. Who, who was your ordaining bishop? Bishop Ignatius Wong, actually. Oh, was so, it? Yeah. Oh, oh, very yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So, and then Bishop Ignatius Wong, someone laid hands on him. Yeah. And all the way back. All the way back to the apostles. Yeah, you know, all the way back to the apostles. And we see that in the Acts, because in the Acts of the apostles, nowhere in the Gospels do we see that action of of the apostles laying hands on others. But here in in Acts, there's that kind of succession Mm -hmm. that goes down the ages, and it's the continuity of of the Spirit. In other words, we have a divine guarantee that we have access to the same Spirit that not only our church did, but that Christ himself gave yeah, to us. Exactly. And so Christ continues to live and work through his church, and it's not a lessening of the Spirit. In other words, sometimes people say, oh, if Jesus were only walking around on the earth, I mean, if we could elect Jesus right. Christ as president, right, mm-hmm. that would solve all our problems, right? <laughs> and it, it, it certainly, certainly it would, but of course Jesus says, that's It'd not the an point. an interesting election. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting question. Would Jesus be elected? Maybe not. Maybe, yeah. I mean, because he's a pretty bold guy. <laughs> yeah, so, he is. He didn't. Yeah. He certainly didn't seem to win any 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 political friends back in the day. He, well, he had to, this tendency of getting angry when he goes to ch- when he goes to temple and and you know pulls out whips and things. Oh man, so, does that mean our know, bake sale is off? Oh, that's a really good. Bro's question. shortbread is going to suffer. Oh no! Don't. <laughs> no. Well, good thing he's not a subscriber to the podcast. Ex- so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but, but no, but 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 the idea would be that um, even if Jesus were 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 walking around today was were, were in the flesh, right. yeah. he, it wouldn't be as powerful as the way Christ lives and acts through the body of Christ now in the right. spirit. In other words, the whole point was just to, in a very um, for a very brief time, those those those. 33 plus or minus years mm-hmm. that he lived on earth was all a kind of setup or at least a, a kind of movement that through which our salvation comes and then flows out through right. the body of Christ, the church. And so actually the apostles give that. We would not know that. We would, it would go, it would be kind of a, a kind of a, a harsh startup from you have the gospels and the story of Jesus. And then you have yeah. Paul writing letters to various communities that are founded, mm-hmm. but acts yeah. is that connective tissue right. That enables us to say that who founded the Catholic Church? Now, confirmation yeah. students were asking me the other day, who founded the Catholic Church? Jesus, Jesus. Christ, right? It's not Peter. It's not one of the apostles. It's no. not St. Paul. It's not any of the preachers. Jesus Christ. So anything you church. can say yeah. about the church flows right from Christ. Yeah. And we only get that through... Through, through, through Luke. Through Luke, right? Mr. Yeah. Incarnation. Right? Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Incarnation. So the, the, the book of Acts, I mean, it's yeah. basically divided in half between... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where we basically have two protagonists, yep. uh, Peter and Paul, and, right. and I was just wondering if you would like to kind of unpack that a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, you have you've got Peter certainly who is given that direct um, uh, command from Christ to continue to feed uh, his sheep and to be a leader of the church, and you see that that the first great preaching after Pentecost, and the idea from Peter is in a sense showing how the church goes from being just, if you will, a continuation of the Jewish covenant to being open to all nations. So Peter has that great revelation of take and eat and to eat things that aren't kosher and to say that you don't necessarily have to be circumcised in the Jewish faith to be a follower of right. Christ. Mm-hmm. And so Peter, as uh, the head of uh, the apostles in that great council of Jerusalem, uh, is able to definitively say that, 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 that Christ has come and gathered the Jewish people so that they might be a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have that kind of, that's the predominant theme. And then once that happens, then Paul comes before, right. right? And he then begins uh, to found churches all around the Mediterranean mm-hmm. there and to, and to preach and to teach. And he, once again, he never met Christ directly, but right. what? Has that experience on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. And so it's, once again, that, that idea that the encounter of Christ, just because we missed out and weren't there, you know? Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> back back in, 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 in 30 AD yeah. doesn't mean that our experience of the risen Christ is in any way different diminished because mm-hmm. here you have you know saint luke himself being able to be write inspired texts that are part of revelation and, yeah. and saint paul who are founding churches literally to the end of the earth yeah i mean jesus christ he um the the, the beauty of the of especially as luke portrays paul's story in acts of the apostles is the very fact that this is our story um in a very real way it's our story as well of that we encounter the Lord Christ, uh, the resurrected Christ, um, on our own Damascus road. Exactly, and, and even yeah. the name Luke means uh, bringer of light, right? And yeah. There's other names like Lucy or something, that, that light giver, right? So Luke, the, the root of the, 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 that Greek name, means bearer of light, and certainly he's, he bears the light of Christ to us and lets us know that we can be, if you will, Christ light bearers as well. Yeah. So, but um, so that is we're coming towards the end to our time with uh, Father Michael on Saint Dominic's Weekly. Again, we are uh, celebrating. Oh, that went by quick today. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we're I mean we're 
it that's how it is when you're having fun right so <laughs> there you go <laughs> so we're celebrating this feast of saint luke on yeah. october 18th yeah. and um and uh and um torch is celebrating this as well um talking about this um in the documents as well for all those who are part of the small groups so so hopefully for especially for our members of our torch communities um pray well and pray to St. Luke this day. That's right. And, and just to say, just to clarify, Torch are the small group communities here at St. Dominic's Parish that have formed that uh, can be, are both a kind of a fellowship group, a faith-sharing group, a scriptural lexio-sharing group. So it's a, it's a way of being connected in a parish that's got, you know, 2,500-odd families. How do you actually, you know, share your faith? How do you cultivate a kind of spiritual friendship? So if you're not part of a Torch group, you're listening to this podcast, Sign on up, right? We can still, we can still, we can still get connect you to a group. And for those who are part of Torch Group, uh, may you be uh, enlightened and, and set on fire with that that idea of um, or that that passion for living and being a living witness to the yeah. gospel. Yeah, and as we said at the beginning of the beginning of our podcast today, it's what was so beautiful about um, about St. Luke is that Luke, Mark, Paul, Mary, they all knew each other. So um, yeah, great this beautiful, happy. Fa- beautiful family and let's continue to be that beautiful uh, family in Christ as well right amen amen so so thank you for listening to St. Dominic's Weekly uh, so uh, so as you go forth um, this week may you radiate the joy of the gospel from the heart of the city amen amen that's my line <laughs> <laughs>